Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the very first episode of The Ralph Report. How exciting is this? It's exciting for me, anyway. I am your host, Ralph Garman. Thanks so much for being here. Um, Many of you may know me from the radio. Some of you may know me from Hollywood Babylon, the podcast I do with my buddy Kevin Smith. Um, Some of you may not know who I am at all, and uh, I'm especially happy that you are here. In fact, today, being the premiere episode of uh, The Ralph Report, I am going to push this out there for free. I want people to hear this show and hopefully like what they hear, and then go to patreon.com and subscribe to be a patron to The Ralph Report and listen to the rest. So this is going out to everybody everywhere. First things first, pardon my voice. I hope things will warm up this morning as I get going. Was screaming a bit last night at my television set, being a lifelong diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. As you can imagine, it was a big night for me last night. So uh, my voice is a little rough, but I'm having some coffee and I think it's warming up. So I think I will get there. Um, That being said, I will try to talk about other things this morning other than the Philadelphia Eagles going to the Super Bowl for the first time in 13 years. Although we will touch on that. My buddy Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports will be stopping by. We will talk about the big games in the NFL yesterday, the AFC and NFC championship games. We will be discussing those. Um, Also today, I've got some highlights from my interview with my buddy Jimmy Kimmel. I'll be playing those all week long. Um, Jimmy and I sat down for about an hour. I've got some highlights that I'll be playing all week. And then at the end of the week, to the uh, two-star generals and above, as a little uh, audio bonus material, I will be sending out the entire hour-long sit-down with Jimmy. It was just a terrific conversation, as you can imagine. He is the best. He's been a friend of mine for many, many years. Um, And just funny and nice and kind and smart. So you'll be hearing from Jimmy Kimmel later on in this show. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't start this thing off by thanking those of you who are patrons to The Ralph Report on Patreon.com. It has been a remarkable experience. And if you'll allow me, just indulge me just for a minute um, to talk about what's been going on the past couple months. November 30th was my last day in my uh, last job on the radio. That's when I got let go or my services were no longer required. However you want to couch it, I lost my job. And I know many of you know what it's like to lose your job because you reached out and you wrote me and you uh, sent me tweets and you were enormously supportive. And you know how sort of devastating that can be when you lose your job especially after you've been doing something for a long time. So I was, my world was a little rocked. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And so many of you reached out and said, you know what? I miss hearing you every morning from the radio or the Hollywood Babylon fans would say, I would like to hear more of you do your own show. It was your inspiration that got me to this point. And so I just real quickly have to thank each and every one of you sincerely from the bottom of my heart for doing what you did in order to get me to this place where here I am hosting my own show, which is beyond exciting for me. And I truly appreciate all the emails and the tweets and people on the street talking to me. It was 
remarkable experience and an enormous outpouring of love. And uh, I love you right back. I want you to know that. Also, if you'll indulge me for 35 seconds, I just have to do this. got to give me that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been 13 years. That, of course, is the Eagles fight song. Fly, Eagles, fly. What a game last night uh, over the Minnesota Vikings. My own show and the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I got to tell you, it's a pretty good morning for me. A pretty, pretty, pretty good, as Larry David would say. So what do you say we get this thing cranked up and going, huh? Let's start off the show with a little something I used to do on the radio. It's been a while. It's been a couple months, but I think it may be time to walk the showbiz beat. There we go. It's different music, but the camera guy is still the same, so that's good. Last night, of course, the big news in entertainment was the SAG Awards. The SAG Awards were given out last night. It was a very woman-centric show, as well it should be with all the stuff that's going on in Hollywood. All female presenters, and uh, the stars were out in force last night, as they always are with the SAG Awards, because it is awards given to actors by actors, and they get a chance to congratulate themselves with themselves. So they always show up. It's always star-studded. Here is a list of some of the winners from last night. I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of the big winners. Congratulations to Gary Oldman for his work in Darkest Hour. He won the outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role for a female actor that went to Frances McDormand from three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I don't know if you've seen this film, but I loved it. I thought it was terrific. They also um, won for best cast in a motion picture. Best male actor in a supporting role, Sam Rockwell from that same film. Best female actor in a supporting role went to Allison Janney for the I, Tonya movie. I was glad to see my movie Wonder Woman won something. They won best action performance by a stunt ensemble. In a motion picture, you don't see that category at the Oscars. Congratulations to the folks from Wonder Woman. No surprise that This Is Us did very well in the awards as well. Sterling K. Brown won for Male Actor. Best Ensemble in a Drama Series also went to that show. Uh, William H. Macy, glad to see that last night. He won Best Male Actor in a Comedy Series. Female Actor in a Drama Series went to Claire Foy for her work in The Crown. Female Actor in a Comedy Series... Julia Louis-Dreyfus for Veep, and they also won for Best Ensemble Cast in a Comedy Series. So I was thrilled. You know, I love Veep. That's one of my favorite shows on television. So those were the big winners last night at the SAG Awards. Also, very touching moment, I thought, was the Lifetime Achievement Award that went out to Morgan Friedman. Morgan Friedman got up on stage and got an award. And uh, he got it from his old friend Rita Moreno. She was the one who presented it to him on stage. And you may or may not remember, but the two of them were in a show back in the day that I watched when I was a kid on PBS called The Electric Company. That's really where Morgan Freeman got his start. Rita Moreno was already a pretty big star at the time, but uh, Morgan Freeman was on that show. Bill Cosby was also on that show, but 
the less said, the better about that. Anyway, Marina Moreno was the star who brought him up on stage for his Lifetime Achievement Award, and they are old friends. Their relationship goes back a long, long time. And you could tell that they were old friends by the way she gave him shit for wearing a baseball cap up on stage. He had a, a tuxedo on with a black baseball cap, and like an old mother hen, she gave him some instructions before he started his acceptance speech, and I thought this was awesome. All right. Um, Morgan, Morgan. Huh? Lift up your hat. Lift it up. There you go. Now we can see you. Okay. You have no idea how long I had to put up with that. I remember when Andy Dufresne told me to take my baseball cap off. So congratulations to Morgan Freeman for a well-deserved Lifetime Achievement Award. What a body of work that guy's had over his career. For Shawshank alone, he should keep getting awards. Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars were born today, January 22nd. Piper Laurie, very talented actress, is 86 years old today. Seymour Cassell, great character actor, 83 years old. Steve Perry from Journey. Don't stop believing. He is 69 years old today. John Wesley Shipp, the original Flash. And he came back, of course, to play the Flash again in the new CW series. 63 years old today. Linda Blair from The Exorcist. You can't see, but my head's spinning around right now. 59 years old. Actress Diane Lane. Superman's mom, 53 years old today. DJ Jazzy Jeff. Always shortchanged. Always living in the shadow of the Fresh Prince. He turns 53 years old today. And singer Willa Ford is 37 years old today. I'm Ralph Garman, and I walk the showbiz beat. Oh, oh that felt good. Uh, speaking of show business news, I don't know if you saw this or not, but uh, this Meghan Markle, this actress from Suits, who was marrying Prince Harry, the news just keeps coming about this wedding. And I think we're... I don't know, six months off? But every time I turn around, I find it in the news again. A Lifetime Network is making a Prince Harry, Meghan Markle TV movie. Of course they are, which is yet to be cast. But I thought this was hilarious. Yesterday they announced who the important role of Flower Girl has been filled by. They announced who the Flower Girls are going to be for this wedding in May. Apparently the four-year-old daughter of Meghan Markle's best friend, Jessica Maroney, who is the daughter of a former Canadian prime minister, kind of royalty herself, she has been tapped along with Princess Charlotte. Uh, They will be the flower girls. So in case you were curious, I'm constantly seeing news about this wedding here in the States. And it made me think, what's going on in the UK if this wedding is taking on such importance here in the States? And I thought the only way really to find out about that is to check in with someone over there in England, so uh, there is a, uh, a member of the Garmy named Steve Ashton, who I've become friendly with. He's also a uh, presenter, as they say, over there on television and radio, and I thought he could be sort of our UK correspondent. So this is kind of exciting, our first new feature on the Ralph Report in what I hope is the first of many appearances. It's time to go to our UK correspondent, Steve Ashton. <laughs> Steve Ashton. 
Um, thanks, Ralph, and congratulations, by the way, on the launch of your new um, our new podcast. The big news, of course, here in the UK is, is the royal wedding. Um, unfortunately, things aren't going to plan. According to my sources, Harry's father, Prince Charles, is already clashing with his son about some of these ideas that he has for the event. The couple don't want their wedding to be all about royal life. And insiders told me that they want it to be fun and reflective of themselves as a couple and of their family and friends that will be there. Now, who knows what that might be, Ralph, because, of course, Prince Harry has had somewhat of a checkered past. It was at the prestigious Eton College, quite literally the poshest school in the world, (laughs) where Harry gained a reputation as a hard partier. Things came to a head in 2002 when he was just 17 years old, when it came to light that the young prince had engaged in underage drinking and had smoked cannabis. And in a move that can only be described as extremely British, his disappointed father, Charles, the Prince of Wales, then bundled his son off to a drug rehab centre for a day. That's right. (laughs) Just one day. Cured. That's it. That's British resolve for you. Now, three years later, in 2005, he went to a fancy dress or costume party, as you may call it, as a Nazi, as an actual Nazi. (laughs) And I'm not talking tiki torches and double polo shirts turned up at the collar. I'm talking an actual Nazi with a brown shirt and swastika armband. Oh, no. Recently as 2012, Ralph, that Harry was still making headlines for all the wrong reasons. Party in Las Vegas, the prince was photographed drunkenly cavorting naked with some young women he'd just met during a game of strip billiards in his VIP suite. Now, I remind you, Ralph, that's not strip poker, it's strip billiards. Now, that's the difference, Ralph, between Brits and Americans, even when our overprivileged inbred spawn engages in fucktard behaviour, <laughs> it still has little charm. You know, Eric and Don Jr. could learn something there. Yes. <laughs> Let me just get the temperature over there, though. Are you guys really excited about this royal wedding? Fuck no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Couldn't give a shit. British people don't care about the royal family, Ralph. The only people who care about the British royal family, other than the British royal family, are American and Japanese tourists. <laughs> I tell you, it is a license to print money, an event like this. I mean, I'm making my own tea towels. I've got tea towels, T-shirts, Phone cases, mugs, plates, commemorative umbrellas. And, oh, I, I, you remind me, actually. You can find these at www.crazysteve'ssouvenirshack. Uh, and if, if you put in the offer code RALPH, you get a 10% discount on orders over $100. Shipping and handling is charged separately. Let me ask you something, Steve. I thought this was a little odd. The London Zoo has named an Okapi after... Meghan Markle, the uh, the soon-to-be wife of the prince. And I thought it was a little strange because the, the okapi, I don't know if you're familiar with this animal or not, it is sort of like a zebra in the fact that its hindquarters are striped black and white. And Meghan Markle herself is the product of a black and white couple. Is there some sort of symbolism to this choice of the London Zoo naming an okapi after Meghan? Well, Ralph, you know, the British are very well known for their cultural sensitivity, (laughs) um, much as the Americans are. Fair enough. Steve, thanks so much for spending some time with us, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy? Bye-bye. Thanks, Ralph. There you have it. UK correspondent Steve Ashton. Thank you, sir. Well, as you can tell, I'm over the moon. My Philadelphia Eagles are going to be going back to the Super Bowl for the first time in 13 years. Beyond excited about this Super Bowl. I think maybe they got a shot. I don't know. 
But there's more to talk about than just that. So I thought to talk a little football, I'd reach out to a friend of mine who's also a member of the Garmy. He's also a super talented sports writer. He works for Yahoo Sports. His name is Jay Busby. I call him Buzz. So I thought appropriately, we'd have a little sports segment on the show and call it What's the Buzz? What's the Buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the Buzz? Buzz, welcome, sir. Thank you, brother, and congratulations. Thank you very much. As you can imagine, uh, it's the first time in 13 years I've been able to celebrate <laughs> the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. Some pretty lean years in between then and now. But let's talk about the first game yesterday before we get to the uh, really good game. <laughs> the uh, Jags versus the Patriots. Now, this was a game a lot of people were saying they didn't know how it was going to turn out because of Tom Brady's injured hand, right? What did we find out about that? We found out nothing. I mean, it was it was typical Patriots misdirection. He had 12 stitches in his hand, you know, just like tw- number 12 on his uniform. Obviously, there was something going on with it, but it wasn't sufficient enough that it messed him up. But anything, the Patriots are like the Kremlin. Anything that comes out of there <laughs> is completely sanitized. They make sure that it's completely vetted. We don't we don't know anything. They would not even tell us Tom Brady's last name if they didn't have to. So it wasn't surprising that it turned out to be much less worse than everyone was speculating. But it was mysterious. He was showing up to practice but then would disappear when the press left and he had his hand in his pocket the whole time so no one could look at it why did they make such a big deal out of it they because they can't help but keep things secret they just they don't want to give any information and they were trying to do a little bit of gamesmanship too they're making the the, the jaguars think hey maybe we got a chance here maybe we can take out brady maybe he's not 100 percent. it's just it's typical bill belichick gamesmanship but uh, it ended up being nothing at all well in the first half it looked like the jags did have a chance it looked like they were taking away uh, Brady's first looks, they had enough pressure on him to sort of make him look less than his usual super heroic self. And in that first half, it looked like they actually had a, a shot. They even uh, sacked him. That was uh, that was the time when you start thinking. When Tom Brady, you know, in, in 2040, 2050, whenever it is that he finally gives up the ghost and stops playing well, that's what it's going <laughs> to look like. I mean, he's gonna he's not going to hit his receivers. He's going to get caught in the pocket. He's going to get sacked. But, I mean, it's not happening anytime soon. But we saw hints of that. But, obviously, the Brady magic is still there. That second half comeback. Is there any time where you can doubt Brady with the ball in his hand at the end of the game? Is there is there any way that he can be susceptible to losing in that situation? You're talking to a guy from Atlanta who's oh. been a Falcons fan as long as you've been an Eagles fan. So yeah, I see Tom Brady just in my nightmares still. I, I it doesn't matter if the if the if the Patriots got eliminated, I still would pick them to win the Super Bowl. He's just he's <laughs> he's ungodly. As as much as you want to hate the guy, as much yeah. as you want to. He can't be stopped, and it's just a testament to him and to Belichick. Now, what do we know about uh, Gronk's uh, concussion? Apparently, he was going through the protocol, and, and he didn't return for the game yesterday, so I'm assuming he did actually have a concussion? Yeah, as we we don't know uh, at the time that we are, we are speaking. We're not sure what the story is, but I'm sure that it will come out in the days and weeks ahead. Fortunately for Gronk, he's got two weeks to heal up, but it's going to depend on the severity of it. You know, you saw it. His eyes were rolling back in his yeah. head. He, I think he said, I think he said, like, I'm all right, kind of trying to trying to brush people off. But, yeah, the way that when you got a guy that's six foot seven or whatever he is wobbling, you uh, you want to get out of the way fast and you want to get him off the field fast. So the Patriots did end up winning that game 24 to 20. And uh, like as many suspected, they are headed to Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. However, the second game of the day was pretty much everyone had the Vikings ticket punched. They were going to be the first team to ever play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. And things just didn't turn out that way. 
Nick Foles, I think, has to be the story of that game. Listen, I'm an Eagles fan my whole life. I remember when the first time he was a quarterback for the Eagles and ran Andy Reid's last season before Chip Kelly took over. That was his remarkable season where he had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. He lit up the the Patriots, uh, not the Patriots, the uh, Raiders with seven touchdowns in a game. I remember that season very well. And a lot of people f- gave the Eagles no chance in the past two uh, playoff games because of the quarterback position. They didn't think he could rise to the occasion, but he certainly did in yesterday's game. It was outstanding. I mean, he throws for over 300 yards, throws t- three touchdowns, no interceptions, just a, a, a flawless game. He saw the receivers where he needed to, short and long. You know, I was uh, one of those doubters. I mean, it helped having a defense clamp down the way that they did. But yeah, Foles just absolutely, he, he removed all doubt that he belonged there. You know, he was already the best backup, and he's proven himself to be better than most starters now in the league as it is. Now, you're the sports guy. You know better than me. I'm obviously biased in this situation. <laughs> but was the Philadelphia offense playing that well, or did the uh, the, the much-hyped Vikings defense, did they just uh, have an off day? It was a little of both. I mean, every the, the, the Eagles absolutely played into the moment. You know, they had the pick six from Patrick Robinson. They had the long passes to Alshon Jeffrey. But the Vikings just seemed unaccustomed to, to taking that kind of punch in the mouth. You know, it's, it's the old Mike Tyson line. Everybody's got to play until they get hit. The Vikings got hit fast they they went up seven nothing but then then philadelphia comes in reels off 31 straight points they didn't know what to do and it was just it was a complete uh devastation there was just no way to get around this that, that absolutely philadelphia destroyed them from every angle the vikings didn't have an answer and and they looked beaten they, you know you saw at the end of the game they're scuffling and that's that's what happens when you just get your ass whipped the uh, Eagles had the ground game going, Jay Ajayi, which I think is the best pickup any team had throughout the season this year. It's ridiculous <laughs> how good that guy is. Uh, even Blunt looked better than he had much of the season. The defense was playing well, and it ended up being a 38-7, the Eagles' victory. Uh, unbelievable that they're going to the Super Bowl. Now we have to wait two weeks before we actually get to watch the game. But are you going to the uh, the Super Bowl by any chance, Jay? I am not. I usually go to the Super Bowl this year. I'm heading to uh, South Korea for the Olympics about six hours after the game ends. So uh, to keep my family from uh, slitting my throat, I decided to, to take the week off and <laughs> do it for, do it remotely. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun couple of weeks in Minneapolis. Now, of course, the Eagles will be once again the underdogs in that game as well. But what's your take? Do you think the Eagles might have a chance to win this game? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. The, the line that I've seen uh, right after the game was over was six-point Patriots favorites. I don't see that. I, don't, I think it's going to be closer than that. I think that, that the Patriots are beatable. I think that it's going to take a 60-minute effort, as we saw last year with Atlanta. We saw with Seattle a couple of years ago. We saw Jacksonville on Sunday. Yeah. You've got to be able to play all 60 minutes, or, or as we said, Brady will come back and beat you. But, man, the way that Philadelphia played on Sunday night, that is a team that could absolutely hoist the trophy. Well, you're doing my Philly heart good by saying that, Jay. I appreciate it. If you're lying, even if you're lying, I appreciate it. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, preach to you. I would. I would maybe couch it a little differently. But yeah, the way that they played, you saw it, man. You, there's no doubt whatsoever. That's a, that's a hell of a team right now. Yeah, we'll see which team shows up in two weeks. Jay, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. If you don't mind, come on back and talk to us about sports again real soon, okay? I look forward to it. Thank you, sir. Okay, I thought we'd take a look at some of the other big news that's happening in the world today. I guess the biggest thing here locally in the United States of America is that our government shut down. Everybody notice the government is, uh, is not operating today? I don't know, can you tell the difference from when the government is open to when it's shut? But it was shut down 
As you know, last week, there was supposed to be a vote this morning at 1 a.m. that was supposed to try to get things up and running again. The U.S. Senate has rescheduled that vote for noon today there in Washington to try to get the government up and running again. Of course, it's all tied in with um, money for border security and for Trump to build his wall and then for the DACA or the Dreamers, if you will, on the Democratic side. So there's a lot of negotiation yet to be done in terms of getting the government up and running again. Will the dealmaker-in-chief step in? I don't know. It's been a while since we've really seen or heard from him, so we'll have to wait and see. Although uh, there was a photo released over the weekend. I don't know if you saw it. It showed uh, Donald Trump, the president, very hard at work at his desk, uh, sitting there with a baseball cap on with nothing on the desk, but he was on the phone staring at, at the camera. It was it was an embarrassingly staged photo to make Trump look like he was working while the rest of the government was shut down and people on Twitter were merciless. I thought it was very funny. Uh, here's some of the tweets I wanted to read about the picture. Honestly, this looks like someone's first time using a phone and a chair. Here's um, another good one. I too conduct most of my most important work with a phone in my hand and nothing on my desk while staring vacantly off into space. So uh, we'll see whether the president has a hand in the negotiations today to get the government up and running again. And people are still talking about Stormy Daniels and the president. Stormy Daniels, of course, adult film star. And uh, she claims to have slept with Donald Trump. The story still has traction. People aren't letting go. It's kind of a big deal. If a porn star came out and said they slept with any other president, other than maybe Bill Clinton, I think it would it would be earth-shattering. But people are sort of taking this in stride. Stormy herself is trying to make a buck off of this situation. I can't blame her. Over the weekend, she was performing at a strip club called the Trophy Club. And I saw the advertisement for her appearance. Making America Horny Again was the big sign outside the club. She was there signing autographs and talking to people. Now, she reportedly had received a payment of $130,000 in hush money before the 2016 election where she wasn't supposed to talk about her relationship with Donald Trump. However, she did give an interview to InTouch magazine back in 2011 that they never ran with out of fear of being sued, where she talked about the relationship. And I got to tell you, some, uh, some creepy details in that interview, if you haven't read it. First of all, he compared her, allegedly, to his daughter, which is, uh, is kind of weird. Although in the interview, they say it's not clear which one. I think, I think it's clear. Which one, don't you? Uh, Donald Trump regularly called her Honey Bunch, according to Stormy Daniels. Uh, the sex they had was textbook generic, in her words. Ugh, I do not want to open that textbook. Trump reportedly promised her that she would appear on his show, The Apprentice, Celebrity Apprentice, which he never made good on. She found out that Donald Trump hates sharks. Hates sharks, wants all sharks to die when he was watching Shark Week on the television in his hotel room. And I thought this part was even maybe the strangest of all the strange facts about their meeting. He asked her for an autograph on one of her DVD boxes after the sex. That's strange, right? Well, what they don't say in this story, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the hotel room where the two of them met actually was bugged. It's true. And those of us here at the Ralph Report have gotten our hands on the audio tape from one of their encounters. So I thought you might want to hear it. First time everywhere. Breaking news on the premiere of the Ralph Report. Here is Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump in one of their trysts 
in their hotel room. Probably used a little bit too much power with his tail, ended up in the boat. I'm coming, honey bunch. Come in, Stormy. Hello, Donald. I'm so glad to see you again. I can't stop thinking about you. Well, that's nice. So, am I going to be on Celebrity Apprentice or what? Oh, honey bunch. There'll be plenty of time to talk about that. Come on in and get comfortable. What are you watching? Oh, that. It's Shark Week. I hate sharks, but I can't stop watching them. I hate them so much, but I'm fascinated by them. It's like Rosie O'Donnell. But I really, really hate sharks. I hope all sharks die. I can't even watch Shark Tank. Mark Cuban scares the hell out of me. I can't watch a sitcom after it's Jump the Shark. Okay, I get it. You hate sharks. There. Now we can relax. So, about Celebrity Apprentice, you said... Yeah, 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 yeah. First things first. Could you autograph this DVD for me? Is that one of my movies? Yes, it's my favorite. Goodwill Humping. Okay. Make it out to Donald, the best lover I ever had. A guy who is, like, really smart. And who is a really stable genius. And despite his smallish-sized hands, has a surprisingly large penis. There's no problem down there, believe me. I've seen a lot of penises, and trust me, his is huge. And he is very, very, very rich. Breast wishes, Stormy Daniels. Okay. Thank you. Oh, my God. You are so beautiful. I want you so badly. You remind me of my daughter. Which one? Oh, don't worry. Don't worry, it's the hot one. Not the one that looks like a funhouse mirror. Look, here is Ivanka with me on the cover of Forbes magazine. A magazine, by the way, which only puts really, really rich people on their covers. And they put us on this cover because we are really, really rich. Isn't she beautiful? Sure. Okay, now spank me with it. What? I'm going to strip down to my tidy whities and I want you to spank me with that copy of Forbes. Spank me! I've been a bad billionaire! Uh, okay, okay. Oh, I'm so bad. Oh, I am actually pretty racist. Oh, Trump University was a scam. Oh, and I am not really that rich. Oh, I lied. There's got to be an easier way to get on television. Oh, that poor woman. What she had to endure. All right, let's get to one of my favorite segments of today's show, which is my sit-down interview with my buddy Jimmy Kimmel. He is uh, my first celebrity guest here on The Ralph Report, and I couldn't think of a better guy to have as my first guest. You folks, by the way, were terrific. I put the call out to the uh, four-star generals out there in the Garmy and asked them to submit questions for Jimmy. I thought it might be a fun way to uh, thank the four-star generals for their support and let them ask questions of Jimmy. And I thought I'd get one or two questions that would be interesting or usable, but it turns out they were all terrific. So I decided this is how I'll do the celebrity interviews. I will ask for questions from the four-star generals, and then uh, you guys can interview these folks through me. So all week long, I will be playing highlights of my interview with Jimmy. And then at the end of the week, as bonus audio content, I will be releasing the entire hour-long sit-down. And it was terrific. In today's segment, Jimmy and I had a chance to talk about fatherhood. And that's what you'll hear here, which is great because a lot of guys don't aren't comfortable having that conversation. But we did just that. So here is the first of the highlights that we'll be playing all week of my interview with my good buddy, Jimmy Kimmel. It's a great honor to have as my very first guest on the Ralph Report, Jimmy Kimmel, after all these years. It is a great honor to be the first guest. You're right. It is, Jimmy. This is like when Bill Murray was on Letterman's show. Yep. 
or um, Bill Murray was on Craig Kilborn's show. I don't, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Who was your first guest on your show for this George one? Clooney. Clooney? Actually, Snoop Dogg was the first celebrity on the show. He was my co-host that week. Right. And then George Clooney was technically the first guest. Well, we've been friends for a long time, Jim. Yes. And... I, uh, I reached out to my listeners, you know, people already signing up for the show before we even got started. And I said to them, submit one question you'd like to ask Jimmy Kimmel, because I figured I might run out. You know, when you know somebody pretty well, sometimes you don't know exactly what to it's ask It's much them. harder to ask questions of people you know well. Much. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I'd get a couple. And turns out I got a shit ton of really good questions. So I'm just going to use their questions as okay. jumping off points instead of my own. Okay. As part of my uh, lifelong goal and getting other people to do my work for me, I'm going to have them uh, ask the questions. Isn't right? that interesting, though, that it, why, and I'm not sure why it's the case, it's so much harder. To... I was thinking this week, I was like, what can I ask him? And I was like, I don't know, really. It's because I think it's because you're faking, uh, <laughs> pretending you don't know things that I you guess do so. know. Or it's like something. acting. It's very strange. Yeah. And it feels awkward sometimes to ask somebody a question that I would ask a stranger that I would feel awkward asking you because yeah. you're afraid it would be almost rude to ask. But I, would, I wouldn't mind asking I think you found a beautiful know. solution. All right. Well, here we go. Um, first of all, this is mine and everyone else's. I got a ton of these. Just how is Billy? Let's get, over, let's get that out. Of, um, you're talking about Joel? Billy Joel? No, no. It would he's be your terrific. son. Your Have you seen him son, perform? Your son, Unbelievable. Uh, he's doing great. Everyone is asking about him, yes. In fact, last night we are trying to sleep train him, but I'm not helping oh. Because, because you're a big softy? Yeah, I'll just get up and I just like, I told Molly she was in bed. It was like midnight. He was crying. I got up. I gave him a bottle. And I, I was sitting at the kitchen table debating whether or not to tell her. And I said, <laughs> I gave Billy a bottle last night. She's like, what? Said, She's like, we're trying to sleep train him. I was like, I know, but I, he was crying. So I gave him a bottle. I had to send my wife out of the house. I had to put her up in a hotel for two nights she while couldn't. I sleep trained the kid because she couldn't bear it. She could not resist going in there and taking care of the kid. Wow. Yeah, it's so like I had having to be a bad guy. <laughs> It's like having a kid, uh, kidnappy or something. Yes. <laughs> Wanted to be an accomplice. So uh, Heath from Brisbane, Australia, wrote in uh, wow. asking about Billy. And he said, I'd love you to ask Jimmy if there are any life hacks or tips to being the best father to an infant child you can possibly be. I'm 33 years old in March. I'm going to be a dad for the first time. It seems men don't often talk about this sort of thing. Thanks, Heath in Brisbane. So any uh, any tips? Well, one is don't feed them in the middle of the night when your wife tells you not to. Sleep training is important. Sleep training is important. I think just being affectionate with the children is important. And I think that sometimes men kind of stand back and they aren't affectionate in the same way that women are. Well, that's our... That's our father's generation, you know? Yeah. I think we're better now at it. I think than, so, for sure. But some guys, were. though, I know guys who are kind of like, you know, like, they don't change a diaper. Or they're not really like, you know, it's mostly just baseball and wrestling. And uh, right. I think you have to go beyond that. Um, how different is it this time around versus the first time when you had kids? Because this is your second go around as a dad. Very different. In fact, I used to have, we're in my office now at the show, and I used to have bunk beds in this room right here with my older kids, Katie and Kevin, would sleep on the bunk beds. And we had a meeting in here today, and, and, and the, one of the guys was like, hey, remember you used to have those bunk beds in here? I was like, yeah, I might need to get those back. <laughs> Do true. we still have those? He said, I think we might have it. So, But um, it's different because I was basically um, kind of, just struggling to remain alive when I had my right. two older kids. I was starting out in radio and getting fired buck, everywhere. Like 
Yeah, I was really, uh, you know, not doing great and financially for sure not doing great. And it was hard. I, I went through a time where when I was doing mornings in Palm Springs, I would get up at 3.30. I'd go to the radio station. I'd do my show from 5.30 to 10 a.m. I would pick my daughter up from daycare on the way home. My daughter was like a year old at the time. And then I had her by myself until 6, 6.30 every day until my ex-wife got home. And that was those were long days. That's exhausting just I would about beg it. her to sleep. I mean, like, <laughs> just like, you, a lot of people will, like, sing their children to sleep. I would beg her to sleep. Like, you were in tears before that she nap. was? <laughs> you have to take a nap. I have to take a nap, and uh, yeah, that was that was rough. So it's a little easier this time around because you got a yeah. few bucks and you're able exactly. to schedule yourself. Although I would think your workload now is much heavier than it was then. How it's do you heavier. balance family and work when you're here all day long to put the show together? It's just uh, I just grab as much time as I can in the morning. I get up, I spend about an hour and a half with them. I'll make them breakfast, you know, fool around with them a little bit, right. and then I have homework, and then. I try to. Get, I get home around usually six thirty, six forty-five, and I'll have like an hour and a half at the end of the day too. Oh, you know, and it does not seem like enough, but I don't remember my father really spending any time with us at all. I mean, I remember him seeing him in the morning. He'd go to work, and we'd go to school, and then he'd come home at night, and uh, sometimes we'd watch Hill Street Blues together. <laughs> I, I said the same thing to my wife. I said my dad would come home, and it would be dinner time when he walked through the door. That's when we ate, and then he would sit his ass in the chair with a newspaper and a cigarette, and that's all I saw from him—like clouds of smoke coming from behind an open cigarette, uh, an open newspaper for the most of the evening. My dad wasn't even that active. Like it, <laughs> even just the act of lighting. I like. I don't even. I can't even remember what he would do when he came home. I don't. Re- I remember us eating, and then I don't remember him. I don't remember seeing him at all. It's not like we had a huge house either. So we're better than our parents is what we're saying. Oh, for sure. All right. Yeah, he is the best. Tune in the rest of the week to hear uh, all of the highlights of my interview with Jimmy. We're going to talk about his uh, very public feud with the GOP and the president. We'll be talking about uh, his show business history. We'll go back to the man show and, uh, of course, his time at KROQ-FM. We'll talk about his current show, his plans for the future. Will he run for public office? A lot of great stuff coming up this week. Speaking of this week, we will also be returning to a place that's very near and dear to my heart. We're going back to Ralph Six University for a class in swinging this week. Of course, we're going to have the Bachelor Report and much, much more. So tune in the rest of the week. I think you're going to enjoy our first week here at the Ralph Report. Special thanks to Steve Ashton from the UK. Thanks for that report today, Steve. Thanks to Jay Busby, my boy Buzz for helping me talk football. And, of course, special thanks going out to you, the Garmy, because literally none of this would be possible without you. So I look forward to delivering the Ralph Report to you each and every day. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. Love you. Mean it. Bye.